Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with Emmy Award-winning creative and co-founder of V-Neck Media, Jason Margasa. He has architected iconic marketing campaigns for distinguished global entities like Amazon, MasterCard, and Google. His prolific contributions have garnered accolades and recognition across industry forums, including winning an Emmy for Creative Media in 2014. Jason is also the co-author of the upcoming book, Billion Dollar Marketing Campaigns. In addition to his significant contributions to marketing, Jason, along with his dedicated team, actively supports the startup ecosystem. Their collaborative efforts have played a key role in the successful launch of over 100 startup products and in securing more than $500 million in capital. He's got a lot of great energy, great story. Enjoy. What's going on? How what? are you? What's up, Jason? How you doing, man? Doing well. And you? Good, good, good. Where are you located? I'm located in Boston, Massachusetts. Okay. I just was talking to somebody that lives in Tampa from Boston and we were getting into all the history and, you know, obviously when you hear Kansas city, you hear Mahomes, and then you bring up Brady and then the whole domino effect. just starts going. <laughs> it's, domino. it's actually funny. So I was just in Tampa. I was a business advisor for Tampa Bay wave and we're driving through. They, they have a Tom Brady mural before new England does. Wow. Oh, that's so weird. But I was just telling this dude, I can't believe. So he's a lifelong New England fan, right? He goes okay. down to Tampa. He gets down there. Brady comes out and wins the Super Bowl. I mean, the fact that that happened, you know, it's and then, crazy. you know, and I was telling him, I, he was like gauging my, you know, my, my velocity on being a Chiefs fan. I, when I was a kid, I grew up next to the college. It was William Jewell where they used to practice. No one went there. I would walk with the guys. I would, you know, the, the punter, Nick Lowry, used to rib me about getting extra autographs. He's like, are you selling this? Like, what do you mean am I selling it? Look at me. What do you think <laughs> I'm doing? Hawking your, your, because the cops used to give us cards and we'd get them oh, and wow. we'd get autographs. We'd play basketball with them. It was great. We just, Maybe. you know, it was just a bunch of guys that happened to play football. So when... My dad used to always call him the Kansas City Griefs. And there used to be this rumor that if the Chiefs actually did win the Super Bowl, the world would shut down. And after that parade in 19, the world did shut down. Yeah, they stopped it. It was their fault. That's like a Nostradamus uh, moment. Yes. And then all of a sudden now it's like, I feel like Taylor Swift is the butterfly effect. I'm like, what? what's going on? I'm like sniffing for some calamity to like descend. Oh my god! So you uh, are you are you from Kansas City or are you currently still in Kansas City now? I, I I'm I'm in I'm here I'm lifelong so yeah. Very I, cool. Yeah yeah. Very so cool. It's uh awesome. it, it's been strange. I still have a a pennant that says Super Bowl champs and I still sit there and I'm like I can't believe it happened. It may not have happened. This yeah, may be some Matrix thing and I'm waiting for Lawrence Fishburne to come in and say cut. We're done. <laughs> so it's, it's crazy it's awesome it's awesome but it's great to meet you and i want to kick everything off with kind of that notion of living through a pandemic how yeah. did you get through the last three and a half years and how did it change you i mean it was it, it was tricky because before the pen i mean i'm a mover and a shaker i'm running around moving all the time um i you know i'm involved in multiple businesses but our, our core business is is a creative and marketing agency so we're meeting with clients where we're doing high-end production. So when you go from that to just stopping, it's like, ooh, but you know what? I mean, being an entrepreneur and I mean, it's about, it's about just figuring it out. 
and I love to quote me wrong. I love, I'm, I'm, I'm not a scientist, but I've always been a big fan of science growing up. And Carl Sagan, the famous physicist, had a, a quote I love. He always said, um, his definite, you know, when people say, oh, he's smart or like, that's such a vague statement, calling yeah. someone smart. Carl Sagan defined intelligence as just the ability to adapt. That's how he defined it. And, you know, I, I, I try to live up to, to the standards of, I mean, obviously I'm not as intelligent as someone like he was, but so it was really about really adapting to it. Cause I mean, our work just slowed down and it was one of those moments we, we were about to land through about three, yeah, three really large continual clients right before it hit. Cause it was, it was Q1, you know, it was a new, the, the budgets are reset at the beginning of the year. Um, but we ended up like buckling down. We we made it through, and actually, the, you know, we actually started to diversify because we are sitting there. The you know we are getting paid through marketing budgets, and you know it was one of those moments that like you know what I have time. We got so caught up in business. I want to kind of pursue my 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 passions in the creative. So we actually started. I've always wanted to get get into TV. Uh, it was always a thing that I I love, but never had time. Um, I I come from the background. I was a music composer in in, in my first life, and then I got in, into production and and then you know in in business. So we ended up just using the time of the pandemic and really pushing into TV development. And fast forward three years, and we've made a lot of ground. That, you know, it, and I say this very respectfully in a silver lining, but if the pandemic didn't happen as awful as it was on so many other things, it gave me a, a really cool opportunity to kind of expand and diversify. So that's that was the silver lining on it. And yeah, and we, we came out the other side and and I think we came out better. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think there was a lot of silver linings. So let's get to the essence and core of what you do for a living. I'm going to put you in front of a bunch of third graders. It's career day. One of the kids says, hey, what do you do for a living? How do you answer that child? So I answer that. So I am the creative lead for a, a creative marketing agency. So we work with clients, big and small. If it's larger, we'll work on, on campaigns. If it's smaller, we'll kind of help. We'll work with the business. And we do, like I said, uh, you know, uh, uh, creative planning, strategy, marketing, and production. And I am usually the main creative lead on all of those fronts. So when you were in the third grade, what was your dream to grow up and become? I was going to be the next Timbaland, the music producer. Like that, that's what I was going to do. Um, That's what I was going to do. And I pursued that for much of my tw early 20s into mid 20s really hard life, really tough to make money, um, had had some wins. I ended up, you know, I worked with a bunch of really amazing local artists in Boston. Um, I ended up composing for a couple short films. I ended up composing for a few video games, which was really neat. But at the end of the day, it was it was just it was just a, a tough life. And then I discovered video and then and then video kind of panned into business. But I was going to be and it's perfect for the podcast Neon Jazz. I I, I was going to be a music producer, composer, working with all the biggest artists. That's what I envisioned. That's awesome. So let me let me get a handle on where you were born and raised and how these seeds of creativity yeah. got into you. How did this happen? So I I live so I I grew up in, in right on the outskirts of Boston. 
And I just had a really creative father. My father's nickname was Geppetto. He just, he had a shop and he would always go and he'd be building things. He used to build miniature carousels. He was, he was carving, wax molding, engineering the feet, like really doing that. And, and, and my mother was always very encouraging of, of me kind of, of pursuing that. So I, I just grew up in a house. My, my mother, she's from the, uh, Cape Verde Island. So we were always dancing. So music was always really big in my, in my, my home. And then I had a father who was always pushing heavy, heavy creative. And then as a kid, you know, I'm playing video games and just really. So I had a very, very creative upbringing and we're all influenced. You know, I, I, I just met a gentleman. He's pursuing, you know, artificial intelligence on farms and he grew up on a farm. Right. So he's kind of a, a adapting that. So so that that's kind of how how the seeds were, were planted. I just grew up in a very with 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 creative parents and a home that really encouraged me to pursue these uh, creative endeavors. So who's been a hero for you? Who have you really looked up to in your life? So this is this is an interesting question. So I, I'm going to I'm going to go over this briefly. Um, just because my like one of my main heroes, our relationship ended just really bad. Um, I'm not going to get too deep into it, but he was my like piano teacher. He was like a second father. He really helped foster that whole creative. But just, you know, as you get older, relationships change and, um, you know, still love him so much. Like one of those, you know, no matter if people come and go in your life, there's always uh, going to be a love there. So really, really amazing guy uh, at the time. And, and he, he was he was really an inspiration to me. He got me into music, but like I said, you know, not all relationships flourish forever. So um, that was interesting. And then, you know, other than that, I, I, I've just, I've always looked up to people in the art world. Like I said, Timberland was just, I was so influenced by his music. Um, but then, you know, when I really started getting into business and filmmaking, I, I, I don't have necessarily one like main person, but I see someone, I'm like, that inspires me. That inspires me really kind of, you know, jumping here and there. But now I'm just really inspired by like just some of the, the higher up people that I put around me. You know, I'm, I'm a big proponent. You want to be the lowest person in the room. I'm very, I'm very adamant on that. That's the only way you're, you're going to really learn and be around it. So I've been able to be around some very successful people that I look up to quite a bit. So if you can meet one person on the planet right now and spend some time with them, who would it be? Oh, it's, it, Easy question. I'm such a huge fan of Lex Friedman. I'm such a huge, huge fan of his. Yeah. Just his, uh, the combination of, I mean, he's brilliant. He's at the forefront of science. But then when you watch him, he's actually cool and he's fun and funny. And I just like people who represent such, such a well-rounded, um, you know, just kind of being, you know, he's, yeah. he, he's well-rounded. He's open to everybody. He's open to all opinions. So yeah, Lex Friedman is definitely my number one. So as a music lover, what was the first concert that blew your mind? The first, so well, so I had a really weird musical upbringing because like, well, most of my friends grew up with like classic rock and, and, you know, and like stuff. So my dad didn't like classic rock. He's 70 years old. He was never his thing. He loved really early on electronic music and yeah. like weird new age music. Nice. So like he loved like Tangerine Dream, yeah, Deep Forest, yep, Enya, 
Um, really that in my mother, she listened to like 94.5, which back in the day wasn't jamming. So in Boston it's it's now J it used to be called 94.5 W Z O U Boston. That memory's ingrained in my brain. And my mother, she listened to a lot of Kate Verdean music. So yeah. we really had this really weird eclectic uh music. So yeah, that was it. I, I just was I was always in that, and then I always loved uh uh, video game music. I, I just thought it was when I heard that I was like, "Oh my god, this is like such a complex version of of music." Because instead of you know verse, chorus, verse, chorus, you're going through section A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and then just speaking of jazz, my dad loved Paul Hardcastle. I know he's more yeah. modern, smooth jazz rather than 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 classic jazz. But ever, I remember every morning before I, I would go to school, my dad would be in the kitchen hanging out, and he would just be bumping Paul Paul Hardcastle the whole time. Nice. You, you know, it's interesting, the melding of your mom and dad, it seems as though Moby would be a good fit for that. Yeah, I, I, I was a huge fan of his, too. Yeah. I, I was a fan of his, yeah. Because he, he did use, he uses a lot of really interesting samples. Yes. From, yeah. So so if you get, when you get a chance, have you ever listened to the podcast Heavyweight? I haven't. It's going to change your life. So there's one in there where yeah. the host, um, Jonathan Goldstein, has a, a good friend that had all of the samples that were on play, all of the, like the soul samples, gave it to Moby, and Moby used it in his music, and he wanted a credit. It turned into this whole podcast about him wanting that CD collection back, and he never got it back. Moby would dance around it, and they interviewed it. It's just fascinating, because it's really? like... Because that was the backbone of those recordings. I mean, he has always been an electronic producer, but when he introduced kind of that early kind of soul into it, there was just a new element that he explored that was so intriguing. You know, I agree, and, and I love that because, like lately, I when I was when I was in music, I was just more of a composer. Yeah, but as I kind of got older, I just really appreciated the art of sampling. It's a different thing, right? Like yeah. the the one thing I love and just go back when you asked me um you know just being creative the one thing that really taught me um the true essence of creativity is when i started composing music for video games and the reason is in this kind of transition into business because people think creative is just oh my god i, I want to be creative right i'm in a good mood i'm making a dance song i'm in a bad mood i'm making a depressing song but then what when I got the opportunity to make music for a video game, you act, your creativity has parameters, mm -hmm. right? So you're still being creative, but you're now being creative within the parameters of the game. So for example, the game was based, you wash up on a deserted island. So even now, all my song choices had to, in the way that I'm making the music, had to have a little bit of an islandy vibe to it. Right. There's songs in the day. I have to make sure that the key is in the day and I got to make sure that 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 the scale I'm using is in the sounds, even sound. I would spend five hours picking sounds. Yeah. Like that. But I never did that before, because when I'm just doing a song for me, I can just pick whatever I'm in the mood for. But when you get put under parameters, it just changed my whole approach to making music. Um and that lesson has applied even going in business and being a creative lead because when you're working with clients and partners, it's not just a free for all like it was in the old days with how you're you have a creative freedom as a child, right? You you just do what you want. When you're working with other people, you really have to apply 
your creativity, but it's still within the parameters of the business's organization, their culture, the way they want to be viewed, their optics, their reputation. So you have to take all of those in mind and work within a parameter. So, so, you know, I just wanted to bring that up because it's amazing how, you know, a lesson that I learned in my music career has branched all the way into my business career as well. Yeah, absolutely. So what is it as a creative and a businessman that motivates you every day to get up, to accomplish what you want to get done and do it at a high caliber? This is always, you know, uh, there's always that kind of conversation about fulfillment in so many different types of fulfillment. I just love doing it. I, I I love the creative of like using my brain to kind of to help market something or help, you know, help really inspire people. But I also love just kind of the the adventure of being in business, kind of putting putting dots together to make this happen or make that happen. It's it's really it's really fun. And then be, being able to combine the the two. It's it's really fun, and I'm having more fun now than I've ever had at any at any other point in my life. The one thing about being a business person and a creative is you're ultimately trying to make a client happy. What's of one of your favorite success stories? Ooh, one of my favorite success stories. I, more in the on the creative vibe, or more in the in the business vibe, or, or anything. It whatever. could be the Venn diagram just bleeding together. Okay, so, well, I'll say this. So during the pandemic, I'm going to bring it back to the pandemic. When we were trying to figure it out, it was really tricky. You know, we started really digging into, like I told you, television development. It was was always a passion of mine. And I have a really strong background also in production. And we got an opportunity. I met a gentleman who had a local uh, reality show that was around. He was a home developer. And we had the opportunity to executive produce his show. And when kind of everything came together is, you know, an executive producer, you are running the show. You are in charge of different teams. You're talking to the network. You're, you know, you're, you're, you're working with the team that's dealing with sponsors. You're really overseeing the whole project. But just one of the cool things was just due to a multitude of instances, a lot of the people involved just weren't involved anymore. And me and and my production partner, Todd, it was a lot of work. (laughs) I don't want to do it again. But we ended up taking over every single aspect of the production. And we delivered 10 episodes um, successfully, 22 minutes each with commercials, with sponsor deliverables. And, and again, it was basically, you know, we started off as a team of about six to seven, and it ended up being a team of three. And we did the impossible. And that's when I knew, I'm like, wow, like that really solidified, you know, my, my, my confidence that, you know, not only could I lead the charge, but, because I had such a strong background in all the other facets of production, I had the ability to jump in where I was needed and execute at a high level. So that 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 that, that was my my latest really awesome moment when things were looked impossible. Me and a very small team were doing the job of ten people, and those three of us. 
Wow. So let's go back. Let, let's say you have a dream tonight. You run into the 20-year-old version of yourself. You could give that version of you a piece of advice based on the wisdom you've gained in your life up to this point. What would you tell that young version of you? Uh, I have this conversation with myself every day. <laughs> you have to say something every day. Um, the one thing I wish I did when I was younger is I wish I took a little more seriousness into really working on building a, a professional network. Because yeah. when I was younger, I lived in the music studio. I got I I I I got very good. I spent tons of time because you know in my mind at that time I was like, oh, you know, I'm just I just want to get good at the skill. Someone else is going to handle certain things for me, and someone else is going to do this, and someone else is is going to do that. And I had seen somebody, and this sometimes sometimes it's bad to see other people because everyone's life and in in career and trajectory are completely different. Like no matter how much advice I give anybody, your path will never be mine, right? It, it just it just it it, it it's not going to be. But the one thing that is universal is I wish I took a little more time, like putting myself out there, in really building a really good, you know, strategic network, because I didn't start doing that until my late 20s. Um, and even then, I still didn't take it as serious as I did when I when I was in my early 30s. So, you know, if I could go back, I would just say, go out there, put yourself in, in the environment you want to be in, and really apply yourself, because um, it, I, that people don't realize how, how important that is. So if you could go back in time and see any event in human history with your own with your own eyes, what would you love to have seen happen? I would have part of me just would have loved to experience the 90s as an adult. Yeah. Because the 90s I have such a fond memory of, you know, but I was I was a really young kid. I was, you know, 10 to 10 to 18, right? But the one thing is in just speaking of, uh, I'm going to go back to music. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna to try to nail this podcast for you, Joe. I was listening. It's funny. There's so many songs I listen to now that I'm like, I loved them as a kid. But as an adult, I'm like, oh, my God, that song just hits so different. Yeah. Right. Like Nine Inch Nails Hurt. Even as a kid, I love that song. But man, when you become an adult and you experience life, that song hits 10 times harder yeah. than it did. So I've always been curious of the 90s that I have such a fond memory of being a child would have really been interested to see it through the lens of of an adult and in, in as a business professional, because I'm sure it, it, it would just be so much different Yeah, to kind of see it, you know? That, that's fascinating. That's a great answer. Everyone has a perception of you, family, friends, clients, colleagues, but you run the show. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? You know what? I'm not... I think my subconscious knows what I'm doing, but my conscious does not. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> right? Um, because it's funny. Um, people are always telling me, Jay, you're doing too much. Right? I've heard that a lot. But as of lately, everything I'm doing is kind of starting to come together. Like it's all like, come, it's all coming together. And even some people who were kind of who would question me, but and again, never a bad question. If if you don't have honest friends, then you I don't know why you're being friends with them. 
Um, I've always ha- had the I've had the luxury of friends who call me out, who question me, and, and I always appreciate it. You know, whether I I agree with them or not, it's not the point. It's still nice to hear an outside perspective. But even some of my friends who would say, "Jay, you're you're doing too much." They're they're like, "Huh, Jay?" They're kind of seeing how things are developing for me now. Like, huh, maybe you were onto something. And here's the thing. I don't even know if it was conscious me doing that, but I think in the back of my mind that I had this weird game plan that was, you know, all of these things I'm pursuing are going to come together at some point. Yeah. And that's starting to happen now. So I'm kind of like, Phew, I got yeah. it. You know, it all worked. It all worked out. So, yeah. So that's, um, so yeah, so that's that. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I just accepted how I work and how I function. And, you know, it's not perfect. Um, you know, I I have partners for that reason. And I brought in partners who do things much better than me. Um, and, and, you know, and even, you know, in that that's a level of self-awareness. Again, that's super important. Be self-aware to bring in people who we don't have to do everything. And in, 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 in all my partners I work with just fill, fill different gaps in my skill set. Um, but yeah, but, but just, you know, I'm, I'm a guy who just really enjoys the kind of speed of it. I, I really enjoy the speed and the fast pace of business. Um, and again, and just, you know, whether I'm doing it perfectly or not, I'm doing it perfect for me. Yeah. And that's all I can do, you know? So if anyone out there wants to dive into your work, reach out to you, learn more about you, what do they do? Where do they go? Yeah. So, um, my, my main company is VNEC media, vnec.media. That is my, my main agency. Um, we're launching an original content brand called another heist November 15th. That's where, where me and my team VNEC media is us working with, with all of our amazing clients. Um, another heist is us creating our own content. So, uh, that is launching November 15th and you can find us on Instagram VNEC media. We're going to pop right up. And I am on most, uh, you know, Instagram and Facebook, Jay Margasa, Jason Mar- Margasa. You can find me. And I um, mean, yeah, that's it. Right on. This is great, man. Jason, what a great interview. Thank you so yeah. much for your time. Best of luck with everything. No, I, 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 I agree. This was great. And, and thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. Our esteemed theme music was composed and produced by the great E.E. E. Pointer of Kansas City's River Cow Orchestra. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. Yeah.